This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Well, let's get back to football. Let's get back to the field. Let's get back to Sunday's Bears-Viking game with our game preview. All right, Dan. So we found out early this week, well, I guess midweek, Justin Fields not going to play. He's got a hip sprain. And strain, yeah. Sprain, strain. <laughs> However, they're spelling the made-up injury. No, it's not. I know. He's got a hip. He's got a hip. And it's the hips principle, not the hits principle. <laughs> I called it the quits principle because I think they've conceded here. I think they want to lose this game. They're doing everything in their power to make sure that happens. And certainly Justin Fields not being on the field is a good way to make sure that happens. So just a light moment because that was pretty heavy in that first segment. We get out to practice on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Wednesday's walkthrough was closed, and we walk out there for the you know, whatever eight to ten minute period that's open. And uh, good friend Mark Podcast or Mark Potash, friend of the podcast, uh, who who always has that 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 perfectly dry wit, gets out there. He's got his roster with him, and he gives me a little elbow and goes, "Which one's Peterman?" <laughs> and so it was for me it was just that moment of yeah this is this is week 18 here at Dallas Hall he was kidding obviously but when when Nathan Peterman and Tim Boyle are taking your quarterback reps and it's pretty clear that there is zero intent of trying to win this football game on Sunday it just tells you where you're at listen I understand it we've gotten to this point in the season I think that there is a practical decision here to be made with Justin Fields uh, there's a practical decision to be made to protect his health there's a practical decision to be made based on what we saw in the second half in Detroit where the offensive line couldn't protect at all. And you say, why, why, why are we going to take our chances for this? The experience is valuable. We feel like he's gained a lot of experience through what he's d- done since August until now. Let's not tempt fate here. Let's go ahead and, and finish off where we are in terms of draft status, figure out whether we finish one, two, and and let's just move on with this. And and I, I have no qualms with it. We've pushed back for a long time this week. Whatever. Make, make whatever decision feels most comfortable for you, and we'll turn the page and move on. Yeah, people going out to Soldier Field that thought they were going to see a quarterback uh, make history or one who has made NFL history can still say they did that because Nathan Peterman still holds this record (laughs) for throwing the most interceptions in his his first NFL start. So you're still going to see a historic NFL quarterback for the Bears. Nathan Peterman's last start. Also, as you know, came in week uh, in. Well, it was in November of, of 2018 against these very Bears when he was with the Bills and they got beat 41 to 90 through three interceptions. Leonard Floyd returned one for a touchdown. Uh, the play that 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 signified that day to me more than any was at the end of the half with the Bills getting blown out. Peterman had a chance from from the Bears side of midfield to throw a, a Hail Mary into the end zone, but was so scarred at that point of that game that he just took off and ran for like 20 yards and ran out of bounds to end the half rather than take <laughs> the risk of throwing another interception. You're already getting blown out. And I was just like, wow, this kid is broken within this game. And I don't know if anyone can ever fix him. 
obviously he's lasted here another four plus years and we'll see what he's able to do uh, Sunday, but people don't come to the podcast to hear our, our breakdown of Nathan Peterman. They hear, they come to us to hear what we think about Justin Fields. And this gives us an opening now before the season ends to kind of do our season ending initial wrap up on, on what we saw from, from Justin. And, and so I, I'd be curious just to kind of get your, you know, thumbnail of, of how you feel now that we know for sure that his 2022 season is over. I think he has established himself as a dynamic playmaker, uh, somebody who has uh, the ability to change the, the, the course of a game with it on any given play. And those uh, players are very difficult to find. This is what special looks like. I've said that on occasion. I will repeat that because you cannot coach that and you certainly can't defense that. So in this season's emergence, Justin Fields, to me, while not fully – feeling satisfied with what you have, he has answered the question of who the Bears' future quarterback is, who is your franchise quarterback. I think the Bears have to answer that question by saying it is Justin Fields because they have too many other questions to address. That's not winning by default necessarily. It kind of is. But I think that you can do two things. You can acknowledge the fact that he has a room to grow as a passer. You can acknowledge the fact that he has, you know, been it's incomplete in his progress in terms of a passer. And you can identify some of those reasons why are related to the lack of an offensive line and, and wide receiver talent. He he has to improve himself personally. Uh-huh. He will get better as the supporting cast does too. But he's your guy. And I think the Bears have to learn to love him, even though we don't know for sure if Ryan Poles does. I think eventually he will come to that conclusion. So my three-word preview for the 2023 offseason is see it through. And it's you have to see through the swing that the previous regime took on Justin Fields because he has shown you so much as a playmaker, so much as a leader, so much as a steady hub of energy within that building that you have no choice but to take this as far as it will go collectively with Justin, with his coaching staff, with everything else, it's a good choice. I say you have no choice as if that, 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 that would be like, there'd be some resistance to that. No one's going to fight that. I bring that up only because there's already been this, this chatter on, okay, you're not going to get a chance to pick this high ever again. Would this be your time to, to roll the dice and take another quarterback and trade Justin Fields? That would be the boldest move in the history of, of, of Chicago sports decision-making if Ryan Poles decided that he was going to flip the page on Justin Fields after one year together and take a bigger swing on someone else, given the belief and the hope and the energy that Justin Fields has created an entire city. That's just one small piece of this conversation. I don't know how you do that as a first-year general manager who has not built up the credibility <laughs> or the track record to be that bold, Dan. Maybe he would. Maybe he will. But to me, if I'm sitting here on January 6th, I'm saying that I believe Justin Fields has a greater chance or I have more confidence in Justin Fields becoming an elite quarterback than I do in Ryan Poles' becoming an elite talent evaluator. That's not a knock on polls, but I think if you're if you're looking at this and you're, you're suggesting drafting a quarterback with the first or second overall pick, I don't want to hit reset again at Hallis Hall. I don't think they need to find a practical way to make this work. And I love your three words: find a practical <laughs> way to see this through. Yeah, and, and so like there's a lot 
to this conversation and it will only get more involved. But Ryan Poles' voice is more important than anyone's in it. And at some point next week, he will sit up at a, a dais at Hallis Hall and he will give us his thoughts. He may not be able to give us his 100% unfiltered thoughts on everything for a number of reasons. Doesn't want to say things out loud in a public forum. Doesn't want to tip his hand to people who might be interested in coming to trade for their draft pick, whatever it may be. But he better make it clear to people that matter what his stance is on the quarterback that he has in his building right now, because you cannot create uncertainty in that regard. I'll turn that over to you. And then I've got a, a handful of things to share because I had a fun Thursday at Hallis Hall. Well, I do think that he's walking a very fine line and it's a very delicate balance in projecting any kind of public doubt if in your quarterback if you haven't privately assured him that he's the guy. Because you might want to project public doubt to cre- increase the value of whatever pick you have in the first round. But in doing so, if you cut into or erode any kind of confidence or any kind of inner chemistry rapport, let's talk, it's Justin Fields. If you if you create doubt internally yeah. in Justin Fields, that's a mistake. So it's going to be uh, a delicate balance that Ryan Poles tries to strike. Yeah, you got, you got to do it. So on Thursday, I had an opportunity first to have a, a one-on-one with Luke Getze. And then later in the afternoon, we had a chance as a group to talk with Andrew Junoko. And these two guys' input, perspective, insight will be valuable in what the Bears are doing going forward. You said something a, a couple minutes ago about determining why the passing game was as broken as it was. This is a collective effort at Hallis Hall to put together that pie chart, right? You have to say, okay, offensive line, receiving core, play calling, quarterback, other. There's, a, you know, there, you're going to break this pie up. And for those who believe that Justin Fields doesn't have a piece of that pie, you're just living in la la land and fantasy land, and that's fine. But it was really cool to to listen to the guys that have coached him most closely, you know, for for eight months now, uh, to to get a feel for for kind of how how they feel about things. I'm going to share some things. I know you you've played this on on 670 the score. Uh, some of the thoughts from Andrew Janoko. I put out a tweet thread on Thursday night uh, that if if you are a a person that is interested in this quarterback, there's probably some stuff that you're going to enjoy and and like hearing. So here's some of the stuff from Andrew Janoko. First of all, he said that that Justin was peeved, was was the word, that he wasn't able to play on Sunday. You love that, right? Andrew Janoko said, dude wants to play, which is, is a great sign when you have a quarterback who uh, wasn't necessarily down with the big picture organizational decision that was made about his health for this week. That's a big deal. Now, Janoko also talked about what we just said, that there's going to be a a plan put in place as an organization to uh, figure out what they can do to put their best foot forward and making sure they get Justin where he needs to go as a quarterback. They have to give this their best effort across many different channels to try to, to, again, see it through and see where they can take Justin as a quarterback. There's been a, a firm appreciation inside that building, David, all year about the way Fields has picked up the offense and understood it, the way he has taken control of everything on game. Game day, that's pregame, postgame, huddle, sidelines, all those things. They've seen undeniable growth in the pocket awareness he's had. Uh, They've seen him him improve his understanding of of reads and progressions. And then the quote that I think resonated with a lot of people in the moment and then obviously on social media and when they hear it on the air is when I I asked Andrew Janoko about what Fields' ownership does uh, for the group. 
right? And, 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 and how that is a valuable asset that he has. And he says he wants this to be his franchise. He wants this to be his city. Just the way he works, spend five minutes with the kid and you know he's a dude. He's a dog. He's an alpha. He wants to be it. And I'm sure you would agree that, that, that that's one of those made for social media quotes that will excite a lot of people in regards to who Justin Fields is as a, as a, a football player, a leader, and the guy who wants to be QB1 for a long time. Oh, yeah. People will eat that up. I mean, you want that kind of mentality, somebody who embraces the responsibility and all that comes with it and wants to own the city. We have said for years and years and years, if you're the quarterback of the Chicago Bears and you have some success, you can own the town. It was the thing that Jay Cutler really never fully embraced. That was part of the reason why I think that there was this reticence and this distance always between Jay and and maybe Bears fans. He didn't have the success either, but that willingness to want to uh, be the guy, the alpha mentality, that's what Justin Fields exudes. It's obvious to anyone that watches him that he possesses that inner confidence that um, that I think Andrew Janelko was trying to describe. So I'll be working on a deeper piece for for later in the month, but kind of the, the report card on Justin Fields' second season. And one of the best voices for that is Luke Getze, because as you know, the one of the reasons that I've really come to appreciate who Luke is, not only as a coach, but as a communicator, is he keeps it real, right? Like everything that comes out of his mouth is sincere, it's genuine, it's grounded. It, it, he doesn't feel like he has to play games with the way he speaks to people. He's direct, he's honest, he understands that that resonates. And he's direct and honest, and he resonates with Justin Fields because Justin wants that in his world. And so the union between these two guys at Hallis Hall has been uh, a match made in heaven, in my opinion. And it's going to going to be able to take them both where they both want to go if they can see it through in the proper ways. The chance to ask Luke Getze some positive questions, some critical questions, uh, uh, get him to, to provide an overview of the season was was fascinating for him, for me. And one of the things that you said uh, or asked me to ask him going into the interview was just you know that midseason, that October tweak when we made some twists to the offensive plan and 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 changed things around and how they were going to operate. How much was there? To, to be made of that. What was that? Uh, you know, what did that unlock? And, and, and really what he said is, look, it, it gave Justin the chance to shine what he has that no one else has. And so they made these schematic tweaks and he said, it just created more freedom for Justin. It created more confidence for Justin. And all of a sudden it got, basically it got the airplane that the bears were boarded on away from the gate, right. And onto a runway when we were stuck in a delay for the first six weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden you saw them, them take off. Now, to go along with that, Luke is very aware that the Bears finished this season, most likely, as the number one rushing team in the NFL and the number 32 passing team in the NFL. And he's bothered by that. And he said, that's real. He used the word sustainability. It came out of his mouth without it being said by me. And he said, teams that are really successful in the league need a balance that helps their offensive success be sustainable. They understand that they found pockets of success throughout the year, that they found wrinkles that could get them in the end zone here and there, that they could have a four-week surge where they averaged a lot. This offseason is going to be about creating that balance. And how do you create balance for a team that's first in one category and 32nd in another? You focus on the thing that that made you 32nd, right? And, and you figure out what that is. And Justin has ownership in that. I've got a few more things to share, but I, I'm curious how you feel about just the, the open and honest admission from inside the building that, that what they did this year will not produce, produce sustainable success. Well, I think that when you say that and you're employed by the Bears and you're whether you're Luke Getze or Ryan Poles, as he said last week on the pregame show to Jeff Joniak, and you're 
objectively critical of what you need to do to take that next step. That sounds like football talk. That's really valuable. And it's, it's, it's relevant because these are the people that are around there every day. What, what gets confusing and we don't need to revisit this, but when you say the same thing that is, is similar or similar thing to what Luke Getty is saying about the offense and the passing game or about Justin Fields that Ryan Poles described, then all of a sudden you're a hater or that's all of a sudden you're, 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 you're going the other way too far and you're being too critical of a quarterback. You don't dare criticize what Luke Getty said to you one-on-one and what he has said every Thursday throughout the season has been refreshing because of its candor, because he's not afraid to coach Justin Fields as hard as he needs to coach him and he holds him accountable, and also because he he's practical. He realizes that the number one priority in this offseason, if you have his job, is to improve the passing game, and it starts with the quarterback, and then it goes to personnel and getting the right people in place. So a couple more things that I wanted to share, and, and, and um, you know – First and foremost, you've got you've got a quarterback that is impressive with his steadiness and maturity. And I said this on to, to Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes earlier in the week on 670. The score, I said, I, I've been impressed that Justin Fields is able to handle criticism of Justin Fields so much better than a lot of Bears fans are able to handle criticism of Justin Fields. And that's a credit to him. And the coaches in that building talk about how that that emotional steadiness that is one of Justin's greatest strengths allows them to get places that they're not always able to get to with every player, because you're not worried about bruising an ego. You're not worried about a fragile psyche. You can just coach. You can just coach hard. You can understand. You you can know that, that the message will be received the way it's intended to be received. That is a huge gift for a quarterback at this stage of development. So let's not underrate that. I asked Luke what excites him most going forward. And he said, look, Justin is still so young and raw in this. And that's the coolest part because these other gifts that he has gives him the opportunity to pursue success in a way that, that he can take it as far as he wants to go. The, the work ethic and the mindset are there, he said, to chase it like nobody else. And then we got into a concept that related to a play that related to a season-long flaw of Justin Fields that I think is worth bringing to the attention of our audience. First of all, I put out a a tweet earlier in the week of a screen grab, and I apologize in advance because I'm still technologically deficient. And I didn't realize that screen grabs off the all 22 are like, that's like, so 2016, you know, and I got killed by people like, why don't you post a video? I don't know how to post a video. New Year's resolution, off-season goal, learn how to post video on Twitter, okay? Like, that's just a full-on honest admission that I'm uh, technologically flawed in that regard. But you know the play I'm talking about. It's the, 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 the play where Justin Fields lost a fumble against the Detroit Lions, and it's a microcosm of the thing, all the things they want him to work on this off-season. That's why it's such a, a telling play to me, because it's everything they want him to work on. The play, as you know, starts with a max protect look, You've got eight guys in in protection, only two in pattern, and only one primary read on this play. It's a shot play to Dante Pettis on a post-corner route. Justin sees a single high look before the snap, and as soon as he takes the snap, the Lions kind of roll that corner to his left back into a a bit of a cover two look. The Bears coaches wanted Justin Fields to recognize that quickly, hit the throw. We've talked all year about anticipation throws. Get it out of your hands, fire it, trust your receiver, make the play. You can make all these other arguments. Justin doesn't trust Dante Pettis because he's dropped balls and he's not a, a top-tier receiver. The offensive line wasn't going to give him help. Don't make these excuses. Justin's not making them. The Bears coaches aren't making them. So he misses that 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 read, right? And you saw him pump on it. All right. So Getzi says the next thing that, that Justin's supposed to do on that play is get his eyes quickly 
over to the running back. In this case, it's Khalil Herbert. And he, Khalil Herbert actually got hung up in a little bit of trash. They had four players blocking one, David, and, and, and Herbert went over to chip there and kind of got hung up there. But Justin still got to know that that's his next read and get the ball over there for a check down. What he does instead is decide, I've got to become a runner here. Gets out of the pocket, takes off, and, and, and carries the ball carelessly. Something he hasn't done all year. It's just out to his right, gets strip sacked from behind, the Bears lose the football. Getsy's point on this play is that even if Justin holds on to the ball, it's a first and 10 play. Even if he protects the ball well and he gets taken down from behind for a one or two yard gain, that is too much mental and physical fuel to spend on a play that's first down in the second quarter of a game. What he has said, this is this is Luke Getsy's words, is that Justin has a habit of holding on to plays too long. And I asked him to clarify that because Mitch Trubisky had a habit of holding on to plays too long in a different way. He would make a mistake and then he would be stuck in his head for three or four plays thinking about the mistake he made. That's not what Luke is talking about. Justin has the ability to etch a sketch mistakes out of his way. His hold on to plays too long definition is that if the play is designed to get you 18 to 20 yards and it's not there, you have to be comfortable letting that go and getting to that check down. And understanding that that second and five is a big play for this offense, an important play for this offense. Justin spent his entire college career with the luxury of having great protection and terrific weapons and being like, I can just wait. I can just wait for this home run to be here for me and hit that play. You're not going to be able to do that at this level. So that was one play I think that talks about timing, anticipation, getting your check down, understanding how to do the simple simply, and all the things that come into the next step of him be, being a qualified passer. It's hard to deprogram at that point because of he things did come more easily at Ohio State and he's not there any longer and he's still a young quarterback developing. I also think that his ability to improvise sometimes could be in that case, in those examples, a curse more than a blessing. Yes. Because you always think that you're capable of escaping this impossible situation. So I'm gonna hold on to the ball as long as possible. And it's it you don't ever kind of process quickly enough to think, well, I need to just concede here because you don't have to concede. You're Justin Fields. You could turn something, you can turn nothing into something very quickly because you've done it before. So those are all really good examples. We heard Matt Eberflus tell us uh, you uh, a month ago that that the, the running that Justin is doing needs to be reduced and needs to be reduced situationally. You have to understand that on first down, you don't need to try to hit the home run. And w- one of their lessons for him is just trying to take the, the fuel usage away from him, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, of those types of plays. You know how much easier it is to just, boom, hit the running back for a check down, get five yards, and not have to run around, use a bunch of, you know, physical, mental, emotional energy, and then take a a big hit at the end of a play like that, that's what they're trying to get off his plate. That's what they're trying to do to get this passing game to the next level. There's so much more we can get into as we go. Um, But like really fascinating stuff from inside the building that that tells you kind of that they're breaking up that pie chart and they see deficiencies and flaws that need to be worked on. It doesn't mean Justin Fields isn't going to become the quarterback that Chicago – believes he can become and in some pockets believe he's already has become but there is definite acknowledgement that look like this is this is a a climb and it's a steep climb and let's see where we can go with it the only way he will become that quarterback is if they coach him that hard and they see the things that they need to see as coaches and they aren't deluded into this idea that he has already arrived the way you know, they're not fans they need to look at this critically like coaches do and and that's the good news and i think luke getsy 
has proven that he is not going to be dazzled by any sort of by anything. This is a grounded uh, young coach, and the Bears are lucky to have him. All right, Dan, the perfunctory part of the podcast. <laughs> get to our predictions just to get them on the record. I'm saying 31-13 Vikings over Bears, and I'm afraid that Nathan Peterman might have three interceptions and Justin Jefferson might have two touchdowns. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm actually having to pull this up because it's so perfunctory that I forgot what my score prediction was. Here it is. It's 24-13 Vikings. It's so meaningless that uh, you know I don't even really know or care what the final score is. I have uh, taken the liberty already of writing about 60% of my game column for Sunday because the proceedings that are on the field are irrelevant to the big picture view of this team. So uh, maybe we can get our get to our post-game podcast Sunday evening a little bit quicker than usual because I'm already ahead of the game. What do you think, Studs? Uh, yeah, we could probably just see the post game pod now if you guys really <laughs> want to. Uh, and, oh no, honestly, we should we should wait for the final of the of the Texans and the Colts game because that yes. has a bigger impact on. on that's the game. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be watching the Bears game, but really, you're going to have a, a hard eye on that on that Texans Colts game. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, doesn't matter what the score is going to be. Uh, you know, Minnesota 30, Bears 10. I guess is what I put on 670thescore.com. Honestly, if the Bears <laughs> score guess. a point, it's going to be a win. Like, I don't know if they're going to – They probably Minnesota's defense is bad, so they'll probably find a way to score. But, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're going to lose, and I think we're all if, – if they win, then I don't – like, it might be the most disappointing win that I've ever sat through. Like, I don't really? know. There's been a few of those. Every win this season has been disappointing in Chicago, though, so maybe not. That's true. Yeah. That's true. No, no Texans. <laughs> 